0: On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, we're joined by Clemente Almanza to discuss what playoff lessons the Thunder have learned this summer, plus what the offseason looks like and our favorite draft prospects all coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast.
1: You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor in chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Email the show at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create your account. Use code locked in NBA. $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're going to discuss the NBA playoffs. We're here at the finals now. What have we learned at this point that can be translatable to Oklahoma City? Also discussing, of course, the NBA draft because it's that time of year. Uh, this week, a lot of stuff for you here on Lockdown Thunder. We've had Rafael Barlow on Monday, Clemente on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, we'll be talking to Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings, who just launched their draft guide over there, and then – Thursday and Friday draft profiles for you. So let me know in the comments who you want to hear from uh, in the profiles Thursday and Friday. Clemente, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, man. I mean, we're less than a month away from the draft. NBA finals are about to start. This is like peak NBA season right now.
0: It is the best time of year because I, I think that most people, some people, I shouldn't say most, some people like this time of year, more than the actual season because it's just, there's so many possibilities. There are so many things to talk through. There's so many things to discuss. Uh, and then you get into the daily grind of the season and you, and you kind of lose some of the fun nature of the draft content, the free agency trades, all that good stuff. So Clemente, let's start with draft, well, with uh playoffs. Let's start with playoff lessons that we've learned. I want to, I want to give you a lesson that I think that the Thunder have learned. And you tell me if that's realistic, you tell me if that's truly something that they've learned. I look at this Boston Celtics team, and I know that they fell short, that they did not win game seven, and they're not playing uh, Thursday night. But when I look at that Celtics team, I think that they're one of the perfect examples for the Thunder because their stars are young. I mean, Tatum's 25. Uh, you know, you, you have uh, Brown needing that extension now. Like their players are young, but they've been through Hundreds of playoff games together. And so I look at that and compare it to the discourse around the majority of Thunder fans and and Thunder spaces where you're looking at like the Thunder need to go make an all-in move. The Thunder need to complete this roster, tie it all together, go go and and take someone who can make an impact this year. Don't take someone with upside. Don't take someone that is going to be a couple years away. We're not even scratching the surface yet of what this era of Thunder basketball is. Will look like what the roster looks like. Like, yes, they won 40 games. Yes, they made the play in tournament. But as Sam Pressy said, you've got to finish your breakfast. And I look at this Celtics team as a perfect example of you don't change anything just because you won 40 games this year. You still go out there and you take the best possible player, regardless of position, regardless of how how close he is or not close he is to being in your rotation full time. You take who you think is the best possible talent, pick 12, and you go on from there. And you don't need to make an all-in move on the trademark. You don't need to make an all-in move in free agency. Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart and Al Horford. Tatum's played in 94 playoff games. Jalen Brown's played in 104 playoff games. Marcus Smart's played in 107 playoff games. Al Horford has played for 89 playoff games just for the Celtics alone. And they've gotten to the finals once. They've gotten over that hump once. And they're so battle-tested. And they hosted a home game seven yesterday and lost that game. But you have to go through those trials to get over the hump like they did last year and get to the finals and hopefully win it. Getting to the finals and and advancing the playoffs takes so much luck, skill, breaks, a combination of all those things to have it happen, and it's not going to happen overnight. The Thunder, I think, will make the playoffs next year. I don't think that's a hot take to say, but it's not as though they're going to be a contending team for a championship next year just because I believe you have to take your lumps, and I think that what we've learned from this Celtics team is even at 100 playoff games played, it's still hard, it's still difficult, and you're going to – you're going to see that you shouldn't just go all in this offseason.
2: No, yeah, I mean, when you told me what today's topics are going to be, and the first thing was about biggest playoff lessons, I had the exact same thing written down. I mean, I think the biggest playoff lesson you could learn um, for the funder is to just stay patient with the young core. I mean, you listed off all the reasons, to why that's the case. Um, Over the last 24 hours, we've seen um, quite the emotional backlash and aftermath from the Celtic. I've seen a ton of Jalen Brown um, opinions out there. You got to blow it up and all this other stuff. But like you mentioned, Jason Tatum is 25. Jalen Brown is 26. I mean, you you don't blow up this young core with the success they had just out of spite. And I think that's the biggest lesson Funder fans can really take away, to just stay patient because eventually the Funder are probably going to face a similar type of exit in the playoffs in the near future where, they lose in a frustrating fashion where there are some things they could have done better. Um but with that said, you also gotta realize that um at the end of the day, if your benchmark for being a fan in terms of being in terms of being satisfied is to win a title, then you're gonna be miserable for, for most for most of your life because winning a title is extremely difficult. Um and that shouldn't be the uh, the barometer that this young core for OKC should be uh, measured against. Um if OKC can have a window where they're a contender for five, six, seven years with a core of Shea, Chet, J-Dub, and Giddy, would, then I would deem that as a successful um, run with this second era of under basketball.
0: Yeah, I think that that's my number one lesson. Finish your breakfast was a phrase that Sam threw out there at the exit interview, and you've only seen it come come to fruition throughout these playoffs of like, you have to go to these battles, take your lumps, but also – have a ton of success. And then how do you rebound from that success? Um, you know, like the Celtics got through last year, didn't get through this year. Uh, and and then how do you gel and grow together? And, and, and all that, all that data is needed to, to eventually craft a championship level team. Uh, I would say that my number two lesson. So like the first lesson is don't, don't rush out here and don't, don't take someone just for fit at pick 12, take the best player. You know, even if that's an upside swing, that isn't going to be relative, uh, relatively in the rotation this year, but but you project them to be really good in the future, that's still okay. This Thunder team does not have too many of anything. I assure you that. At best, they have four incredible players. They have a roster of 17, though, that they need to fill out. Number two to me is that I am even more intrigued by the way that the Thunder are building their roster. Because when you look at the NBA, there are two big men that I think you can count on to score against any mismatch and, and really any player in the league. And that's Jokic and Embiid. If they get a mismatch on them, or even if they get a, a perfect defender on them, they're going to still score. The rest of these big men don't take advantage every single time down the floor. We just saw in the biggest moments of this series, times where Derek White was switched on to Bam Adebayo and forced a miss and, and got a stop and, and helped the Celtics in that moment. And Derek six four. I think that people get lost in the roster column for the Thunder, and they see G G G F F F F F. They don't realize, yeah, that guy that's a guard is six nine. That guy that's a guard is six six. That guy that guy that's a forward has a seven two wingspan. Like the Thunder are, I am even more intrigued by this versatility where you can you can play fast, you can play positionless, you can play some of these bigs off the floor because besides those two guys, where it doesn't matter who you put on the floor that are going to score anyway. That, I think, nets you an overall net positive playing that way against guys like Bam and other centers who are great. You know, AD, Bam, great players, but it's not as though they're un- unfathomably great where they just are going to dominate you because you have such a lack of sheer size. Like, we just saw Derek White get massive stops in this series, and he's four. So I-, I-, I am even more intrigued, by the way, the Thunder are building this roster because they don't have Derek White out there. They have, they have extremely lengthy, uh, quality defenders out there.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Yeah, and um, I mean it totally makes sense. I mean we saw Bam Adebayo out there struggle against uh, the Celtics, and um, that just goes sort to of show that you know having your prototypical rim running center more often than not they usually get played out of the playoffs. So as um, that's, that's that, that that just proves your point. Um, I think another thing that I learned is the fact that OKC like really needs shooting and. I know that's the case for, like, most teams in the league or basically every team in the league um, and shooting is the premium right now. But, man, like, if, if you can find, like, some legit three-point shooters, that'll increase your margin of error for, for the playoffs for sure. Um, we saw Miami get hot there against the Celtics for most of the Eastern Conference finals, and that basically helped them get to the finals because of that. Um, and if OKC can find, like, one or two legit shooters, um, specifically in this upcoming draft class, then I think that'll be super beneficial for the long run.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great lesson of of needing shooting, and and shooting is kind of like a hot goalie in hockey. Like you, you you get that shooting, and it can just take you to a next to a next level that you didn't have before. Cover up some mistakes that you might make throughout the course of a, of a game. Uh, it can Do all these different things for you uh, as an ad plays on the on the other web browser, but uh, it can do all these other things for you where um it can really help you cover up some mistakes you make and and get you back in games and help you gain cushion in games that that allows you to extend your series. And for Miami, the season, the last playoff lesson I have, and then if you have any more, you can jump in. Last one I have is there's a method to the madness of development where you're seeing Miami patchwork, this roster together, not in a disrespectful way, but like they've gone through injuries. They've gone through rotational changes. They've gotten guys who were undrafted. They've gotten guys who were cut from other teams and, now they're in the NBA finals because they invested in their players. They invested in their developmental system and they switched things up. They weren't afraid to, to go through the Rolodex of their rotation throughout the regular season. And even the postseason. putting in uh, Highsmith in, in, into the game the other night uh, was incredible f- for a jolt for their offense. Like you, you, you see that whenever you watch Mark s- ruffle through these roster spots and, and Sam go through these roster spots. And then Mark puts in 10, 11, 12, 13 guys in a game there's a reason for that and sending them to the g-league which the thunder have the luxury of doing uh because they play in the same arena sending them to the g-league and you're thinking well, why the heck is is jay will in the g-league he, he just had a really good game because you can you can always be growing and developing and, and, and just like whenever you saw aaron wickens go to the g-league that, that day that they played the rockets where he didn't project to play in that game and so they sent him down there even though he was a really good player last year I, I think that the development the developmental stress that the thunder put on the organization was shown in miami because if you if you Give that circumstance to I think twenty eight other organizations, twenty seven other organizations, maybe even twenty nine other organizations. They do not make the finals. Whenever you whenever you have Hero go down, you have Ledipo go down, you have all the the kind of ebbs and flows of their season that, that resulted them in a nine in, in an eight seed, where they lost the the uh, you know seven eight game and had to go play the the tenth seed. Like whenever you go to that length, you don't see a lot of teams make it out of that. And it's, I think it's because of that continuity, number one, uh, of GM and coach and the development that the, that the organization has.
2: Yeah, and just to kind of harp on to my shooting point, I mean, I think OKC especially needs it if their core is going to be those four guys that I mentioned earlier and Shea, Giddy, Jada, Chet. I mean, Shea hasn't kind of eliminated the three-point shot this past season. We'll see if that's something that's going to stick for the foreseeable future. But And then you also have Josh Giddy, who's – still working through his shooting mechanics um, and who knows what the long term answer for that is. So if like two fourths, if half of your young core are guys with questionable three point shooting, then for OKC's case, especially you, you definitely need to go out there and, and, you know, bring in talent that uh, specialize in the three point shot, which kind of leads to our next segment that we'll talk about here.
0: Perfect segue Clemente. That's why they call you Segway Clem. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite draft prospects coming up, but first, want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Game Time. Folks, Game Time is there for you. It is the best, it is the best around. Go download the Game Time app, uh, and whenever you do, create your account and use code LOCKTONNBA Get $20 off your first purchase. They have tickets to everything you can imagine, folks. They have it for sports, music, comedy, theater, everything you want with killer deals on last minute tickets, and you can get the best prices guaranteed. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hype for the fun you're gonna have at these events they have flash deals and last minute tickets uh, it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area That you have an image from your seat whenever you buy game time which is awesome and a luxury to have uh, to know where you're going to be sitting what what the view angles are going to be like lowest prices guaranteed event cancellation protection and even job loss prevention uh, protection as well so check it out today game time down the game time app create an account use code locked in mba uh, for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms and conditions apply create an account redeem code locked in mba For $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Lockdown Thunder Podcast. We're joined by Clemente Almanza uh, at CAlmanza1007 on Twitter uh, and of Thunderwire.com. We're talking about draft prospects now. If we're talking about playoff lessons that we learned throughout this summer so far. Clemente. I have the, the question for you of who are your favorite draft prospects out there right now because they kind of know who my favorites are.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm big on Grady Digman. I mean, I think he'll fit right in with what OKC needs. He's a great shooter, great mover off the ball. He'll find his spots around the perimeter. I think he's 96th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler for uh, second spectrum. He's, he's an elite shooter from the wing spots and above the break. Uh, corner shooting wasn't that great in Kansas, but I, I think that I should improve in the NB for sure. Um, Dick probably won't beat her at twelve, but I think I'm fully on board with overcompensating and trading up within the uh, six, seven, eight range, and you know, grabbing Grady because, like I mentioned uh, earlier, um, OKC really needs shooting, and like Grady Dick's probably the best shooting prospect in this class. And I know people kind of think he's. He kind of probably has like a, a little bit of low ceiling, but he's still only 19 years old.
0: Only 19 years old. And, and, I, and I think that it's a it's a good point about translating to the NBA. This is a guy that understands how to relocate off ball, how to always be moving, coming off screens to get separation. Like he understands spacing and understands how to maximize the floor. And that wherewithal to be able to do that only improves at the NBA level, just surely because of the floor like the actual spacing of the floor college games are so hard to watch because the spacing is so bad compared to NBA games. Now you put him with other guys who understand positioning, understand floor spacing, understand how to, how to thin out a defense and it makes his life easier too. Uh, And I just think that Grady Dick is also more than just a shooter. He's an excellent shooter, but I think he's a really good connective playmaker. And I think that he's a good off ball defender, especially way, way better than he gets credit for uh, as an off ball defender but obviously you're not going to have him be your point of attack guy on a guy like LeBron James or a guy like, you know, Luca like, but, but who is like, what, what top 12 prospect do you want to have that happen? There's not that many of them, that you want to have that happen. So uh, I'm not too worried about that in general, because he has that motor and that ability to play defense, especially off ball and the ability to play in a team construct of defense uh, and rotate really well. And, and get out to closeouts really well. So I think that he'll just kind of fit into the, to the scheme of things in Oklahoma city. So, I love the idea of Gritty Dick winding up on this team one way or the other, but like you, I don't know if he'll fall to 12, uh, but we'll see how this all shakes out about a month away. Is there any other anyone else uh, who you like in this draft?
2: Yeah, in terms of second-round guys, I mean, I really like Trace Jackson-Davis out of Indiana. 24 years old, so he's a little bit of an older, on the older side of things, but I mean, when it comes to second-round picks, I think what you're hoping for at most is a solid rotation player, especially with, with, where OKC is picking at 37-50, um, and 50, but yeah, like I mentioned, 24 years old. He's super filled out too. He's a legit lob threat, which is something OKC fans have been clamoring for, for, the since ever since this rebuild began, great catch and finish guy inside the paint, underrated playmaker. Had had a great assist to turnover ratio at Indiana, and he dominated like legit competition in the Big Ten for um, the, his three seasons that he was in, the, in Indiana. So if OKC can get like a legit. Um, rotation wing and kind of just continue that tradition of drafting a rotation wing in the second round with JRE and J-Will and just add another body to that competition, hoping one of those three guys pans out, then I wouldn't be too opposed to that for sure. So Trace Jackson Davis is definitely someone that I would uh, hope OKC would look into.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that if they were to select uh trace jackson davis that that would be the end of the jeremiah robinson Earl experience here in oklahoma city because as i said on draft night a year ago drafting j will was a totally redundant move uh, with their play style drafting uh trace jackson davis would also be the same thing and so i think that j will has the edge over jre and if you were to draft uh, uh trace jackson davis he'd also have the edge on jre To where, with just a pure roster crunch, that's three extremely similar players. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis more comparable to JRE than what uh, Jay will even is uh, for what he was in the NBA at least last year. So I, I think that that would have a fallout on the roster where it's it's tough to to have all three. Be on the roster long term, especially, but even just within this season, as you have to start to make uh, some roster decisions there. But I love him as a as a pick and roll roller. I think that he's a really good rebounder for his size as well. Rebounding is is, is always easy to translate to the NBA. Uh, that, that's one of the most repeatable skills for prospects. So the fact that he has that is encouraging. Uh, but I do love him in the pick and roll. So we'll see if they kind of go that route. My best, my, my favorite second-round prospect is Kobe Brown. I've been spreading the Kobe Brown propaganda uh, on on podcasts, on articles, on Twitter, just everywhere. I think Kobe Brown is awesome. I do. I buy the shot because he did it at the three-point line. He did it at the free throw line as well. I buy the shot, uh, and 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 when you buy that shot, you get that you get that kind of uh, transition score and passer. Like these outlet passes on his reel are incredible. When you go to synergy and look at his assists, they're awesome to see. He's awesome. I like him in the second round a lot. Uh, But coming up, I'm going to give you an exclusive, Clemente. And I'm going to put you on the hot seat of who your least favorite prospect is in this draft.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball we're joined today by Clemente Almanza, joined tomorrow by Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings, and Thursday and Friday we will have draft profiles. So let's know below who you want those draft profiles to be on uh, here on Locked on Thunder Clemente. Let's start. Do you want the exclusive first or do you want to just go ahead and go on the hot seat and list your fi- uh, least favorite prospect?
2: No man, you got to give me the
0: exclusive now. So, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you my top 12 on my big board has not been released to the public yet it's the first time that even the podcast listeners are gonna get to hear this and i'll explain my rationales in depth later on in a different podcast i don't want to bore you with that but i'm gonna give you my top 12 and you tell me if there's someone that jumps out to you that i'm way too high on way too long just whatever your reaction ends up being And i tell you this number one victor obviously number two scoot henderson I think that Scoot Henderson is getting vastly underrated right now for what he brings both as a player, as a leader, as a culture changer, as a, just everything that he brings. I, I think that what stands out is watching him in person. And and, and you were there too that night that um, he just ignited just in general did not have it. They got behind with, from the OKC blue uh, right out the right, right off the jump. Things were going bad. There were turnovers or missed shots, just blown opportunities. Everything that you can imagine in a basketball game that's not going well wasn't going well. But Scoot never once hung his head, never once like, he he dished off a beautiful assist where his guy fumbles it away. And all he does is go up to him and, and give him a high five and say, let's go. We're going to get the next one. And like that kind of stuff, I think, doesn't get talked about enough with Skew, along with how incredible he is as a player. So I have him at two. Uh, Brandon Miller, three. Eamon Thompson, four. Uh, Kim Whitmore, uh, I have him at five. Drees Walker at six. Taylor Hendricks at seven. Greedy Dick at eight. Anthony Black at nine. Czar Thompson at uh, 10. Leonard Miller at 11. And Kason Wallace. At twelve. So, what jumps out about that, if anything?
2: Oh man, mm, I'm surprised you have Cam Whitmore at, at five. I mean, I know he's been kind of projected there a little bit uh recently, but I feel like I feel like that's that, that's a little that's a little high for sure for, for for him. At least when it comes to like what I think of him, I know he'll probably end up going around the five, six, seven range. But can't Whitmore at a five? That's that that that's a little bit too too rich for my blood for sure. I'm just not a big Whitmore guy. I mean, if you just look at what he did at the combine and, and his shooting the shooting chart from college, I'm just I'm just not a big I'm, I'm not a big believer in him for sure. But um yeah, that, that probably sticks out to me a lot uh, um, a lot. Uh, I really like that you have um Grady Digg over Anthony Black. See, Anthony Black's another guy where I'm not like super super high on. I think OKC already has enough non shooting guards on the roster. Uh, and I'm just not a fan of non-shooting guards overall, plus Anthony Black and Josh Giddy would be a little bit redundant. Um, so I really like that you have Grady Dick over Anthony Black. Um, but I mean, yeah, those, those, those are the two guys that like really stood out to me when you were listing off your top 12.
0: And I can I can totally understand Kim Whitmore not being top five on people's big boards. And again, big boards are different than mock drafts. So like big boards are just people's personal preference of what a player will end up being, what a player is, etc. The, the reasoning for that for me is just I cannot shake my feeling I had watching his grassroots stuff to where he was so good before he got to college that I just think that the right organization can get back to that, and that's probably wrong. That's probably not going to happen, but if it were to happen, he's for sure a top-five talent in this draft, and I just cannot shake how good he was at the grassroots level. Now, Clemente, you did say you didn't like Anthony Black, which is perfectly fine, but putting on the hot seat now, give me three prospects. That if the Thunder were to select them, you are just not having a good time that night.
2: Uh, well, Anthony Black's one of them for sure. <laughs> so that's one out of three. But really, anybody with like a developmental label that's attached to them, so like Balakalabali, Rayon Repair, DD Jackson, City, um, Sissoko, like I'm kinda I'm kinda over these multi-year prospects, especially in OKC's case where Shay um, is going to be 25 next season and he's under contract for four more seasons. Um, you're you're obviously not going to, you're obviously not going to win now mode next season where it's like conference finals or bust, but like Shay isn't getting any younger, you know, and like right now we're in the prime of his career and like, do you really want to waste the first few years, um, of that trying to develop multiple guys because OKC already has, um, one big time developmental project in who's and then Poku is like another one, I guess, kind of. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with like non-shooting guards and like these developmental projects, um, especially in the first round. So like Anthony Black, Balakalabali and, uh, Rian Repair, um, with my free names. I'll add Gigi Jackson on there, considering that. I know, I know your guy, um, Rafael Barlow said that, uh, Chris Paul tried advocating for Sam Presti to draft G.G. Jackson, but hopefully, you know, Sam um, wasn't sold on that pitch for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that Sam's going to be enticed with that pitch, especially at 12, but it was worth uh, noting in that story. Now my three least favorite, I I, I just can't get myself to to, to come around on Ryan repair at pick 12. I, I just can't. I can't do it. Now, come draft night, we'll hear from Sam. We'll talk ourselves into it by the time we get home on draft night, obviously. But at this point in time, right here, right now, I cannot think of a way where Ryan Repair makes a ton of sense at 12. So I think that he's my number one uh, least favorite option at pick 12. And, and I think it's one of the more realistic options at pick 12 uh, to be upset about. Uh, I, I, I I would not enjoy him being on the roster. I picked 12. my second least favorite prospect. This is a tough one because I really do like this class, but it's kind of like the players I like based upon like where they're going to be drafted in my mind. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy Zach Eady or drew Timmy, not anything against them personally, but because they would make our mentions a dumpster fire if they were drafted <laughs> in Oklahoma city. And we, we talked about Zach Eady on Monday show, go back and listen to that. It's at, the, it's at the end. So like stick through it to the end. And I like Zach Eady, and I even like him in Oklahoma City, but I think that he'll have that Moses Brown energy where like everyone will go way overboard on what he can be, what he should be, what he's sh- how much he should be playing, everything else. I think Zach is gonna be a good player whenever he does eventually come to the NBA. If he if he does decide to go this year or comes back for the NIL, whatever. But he's only a good player as like a 10-minute matchup guy where like you just you throw him in, you junk up the game, you change your look, and, and the and the other team's cut off guard for 10 minutes, you want to run, you take him out. Like that's always gonna be, in my opinion, for the NBA. And then with True Timmy, I like True Timmy. I know he has the Gonzaga and, and, and Chet Holmgren connection. I, I I'm just not sure if he's to me he's like a four A player. If you're going to compare this to baseball, he's like a four A player. We're like yeah, he's going to play some in the NBA, but he's going to dominate the G League. And then you're just like stuck in the middle of what to do with him. We talked about him as well um, yesterday. I, I'll give you two. I'll give you two names there, but I'll still stick with another one. Someone I cannot see myself talking into the way I, I can't see with Ryan Repair would be like if they were to select if they were to select someone like Chris Murray at twelve. I like Chris Murray. I have him in my top 25. But at 12, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't enjoy that. That's pretty much it. Like everyone else I can like sensibly talk myself into. Like like even Derek Lively, who I don't think that the Thunder desperately need, with that some fans do. You, you would talk, we all know what would happen. We would, we would go and talk ourselves into the combine shooting numbers, the pro day shooting highlight film. And we'd act like he's some stretch center. And we'd go back to his high school tape where he did shoot better. And just like, we would talk ourselves into Derek Lively at 12. Like, that's obvious. I don't know how I would talk myself into Ryan repair at 12. If, if that were to happen. It's like, that's why he's my uh, number one. And then just the Zach Eady and, and Drew Timmy thing, which is because like people are going to be just insane in our mentions. Uh, if he was, if they were the draft pick at 50, uh, where they're each respectively supposed to go. Uh, but other than that, like, seriously, like, like if they select Jordan Hawkins, you could totally buy into that. If they select Kobe Bufkin, if they select Jet Howard, even like who's, who's been falling on hard times in the pre-draft process, you know, you could talk yourself into it if, if they were the ones that signed off on it. Like, so it's tough to see a way where at pick 12, they're kind of in that sweet spot where whoever they select, you're going to really like find a way and a pathway to talk yourself into them. It's just that with repair specifically, I don't. I don't see him in the same way that some people do. I should say. So those are the names. Is that, is that a passable list for you?
2: Yeah, that's definitely passable. You mentioned a couple of stick around guys. I'll mention one. Um, I'm surprised this guy is even getting a workout for KC, and that's um, Imani Bates. Like, if you just look at his physical traits from the combine, nothing stuck out. Like all his percentiles are super low. And then you look, at, and then you look at um his personality issues as well, and the fact that he had to like downgrade from Memphis to Eastern Michigan, and the fact that he just has not very good tape or stats. Like I'm just out on Imani Bates completely. Even with pick fifty, like I do not, I would rather spend that pick on someone else than Imani Bates. Like I wouldn't even want him on the summer league roster if I'm being honest here. Like this, he's just a guy that I want nothing to do of. And I got it. I'm super surprised the Thunder are reportedly uh, working out. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a second round guy as well.
0: So the reason that I'm not out on a money base is because for the Thunder to select him in this hypothetical world, that would mean that that workout and in that interview went really well. And he passed whatever kind of vibe check that the Thunder needed him to pass with all, that, with all the other stuff uh, that you mentioned about his, his, his kind of attitude. Basketball wise, I, I think he's extremely overrated by the by the majority of people. Like people comparing him to Kevin Durant and, and Brandon Ingram, like that's just idiotic in my opinion. But at pick thirty seven, at pick fifty, I don't think he's gonna get the fifty. But at pick thirty seven, if he's past your vibe check and he's still there at thirty seven, and he's to pass your buy check, that means that he's willing to play in the G League, and you can use this almost as like a red shirt. Like, hey, get you in the G League for the majority of your time will play you some in the NBA, but you're mainly going to be in the G league. It's worth the, it's worth the home run swing because what if he becomes like 0.02% of Kevin Durant? Well, then all of a sudden, you know, then, then we're talking to pick 37. So I, I I would, I would say that the thunder specifically would get the benefit of the doubt. If they were the ones to select Amani Bates, that, that if they've passed, if he's passed their evaluation process, both, interpersonally and film wise, you're pretty confident it, 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 if that were to be the case. So like, that's why I'm a little bit more in on him, you know, than I would be on, on, on somebody else. I will say one more name that I don't like, because I, I don't like using the crutch of Zach e, the injury to me. I think that that's kind of low hanging fruit. Um, um, Bobby Clintman is like the, is like the new fun name. Cause KOC put him like top 15 in his last update. Yeah, if, if they get creative and go with him at pick twelve, that's going to be really hard for me to sell. If they if they do that, uh, I like him in general, but like I think he's getting a little bit overrated. And like he's like more of a guy like you take a shot on him in the twenties. If you want to take a shot on him, you going to take a shot on him at pick twelve. Uh, and I have him in the forties on my big board. But you know, what do I know? I'm not I'm not an NBA talent evaluator. Just try to play one on TV. So Clemente, thanks for joining us. Let them know where they can find all your stuff.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at c almonzo 1007 and you can just follow on my work at
0: usa uh, USAthunderwire.usatoday.com We'll be back on Wednesday to talk to Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings, where their draft uh, guy just came out. So go get it for $10 at, dra- at a draft DraftNoCeilings.com. So, Clemente, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, be good and be good to one another.